Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Noah, and I am bringing to you episode 110 of the Movie Maniacs podcast. We're going to be going through some quick movie news, such as a new Quentin Tarantino book we could be getting this year, some regret Robert Eggers might be feeling from The Northman, and a further conversation about the She-Hulk trailer. We're going to be getting all into that in episode 110 of the Movie Maniacs podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to have some listeners for these episodes. I recently discussed the new Tom Cruise film, Top Gun Maverick. I really do encourage you guys to go listen to that review. Very proud of it. And I am uh, uh, very pleased with the way that the movie turned out. So you can go listen to my thoughts on that film. Very much encourage you to listen to that episode. It would be much appreciated. Now, I compiled a list here of movie news that I wanted to tackle here, and tomorrow, I think, we're going to be doing an Ozark episode, which I'm very excited for, I know that I promised you guys that episode, and it is coming, we're going to have that review tomorrow, hopefully, if everything goes as planned, now I got a list here, I'm going to start from top to bottom here, the bottom, let's talk about the big one, or not the big one, but Let's talk about the She-Hulk trailer, guys. Let's let's talk about that trailer again because <clears throat> it's been on my mind, and I think it's been on pop culture's mind recently. Lots of discussion around it, and one of the biggest points I think was the CGI and just how crappy that CGI really was. And I talked about it on the show. I said how bad it was, and it really was. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks bad i mean prequel stuff I, I think prequels looked better honestly i mean it was just the absolute pits of cgi and it looked bad and i that was a big point for me but i i feel like i made pretty clear that that was not the only reason i disliked that trailer there were a lot of other things in that trailer that looked really really bad and i want to talk about that because i think i think a lot of media outlets that are covering this tr- this show which has already become highly controversial is they continue to stay on the point of cgi but but they're like oh shiok may still have hope it's not just the cgi you know there's still room for it to be a great show and i i think that they're missing the point here because that trailer was bad, not just because of the CGI, but because of everything else that it showed. I mean, story-wise, I have zero interest in what She-Hulk has to offer character-wise. I don't feel like I have any interest in seeing this character. And even in the grand scheme of things in the MCU, I see no... I, I don't see any interest like what this show is going to bring to the table does not seem all that interesting and i'm hoping that people are understanding that is my frustration with this trailer is not coming from a mere technical cgi place but i think this show looks like the worst c like the worst mcu show out there i do not think 
that there's going to be a worse one than S.H.I.E.L.D., which is coming out this year. And I'm so disinterested in where the MCU is trying to take these TV shows. I mean, these shows are 50% at least predicating on being an MCU show. Other than that, if this was a show on Netflix that was a – sure, I'll even give it a superhero show. But if it was just in a completely original story but it had the same quality as all these other shows, we would give it no mind. We really wouldn't. We would not pay any attention to these shows. We talk about how mediocre they were. And other than that, I don't think that these shows have done much to prove that there are anything more than that. With the big exception of Loki, possibly Hawkeye as well. But Hawkeye was just an enjoyable show. It had nothing to do with the characters. So there is your exception there. But, I mean, even WandaVision... That was nothing more than a run-of-the-mill sci-fi plot. But because we are so, I don't know, drugged up on the averageness that the MCU, in my opinion, continues to give us, we looked at that show as something fresh. And for the MCU, it was fresh. But do not tell me that I could not find infinitely infinitely better stuff than that show i mean that show was a seven out of ten at best and to sit here and say that it is such a such an original piece of work and and groundbreaking it's groundbreaking in terms of what the mcu has given us thus far but in no way is anything in that story wholly original and unique from from the standpoint of you know it being a great show, there are infinitely better things out there than just what that show provided. I, and I really do believe that. And I, and I a hundred percent am open to the conversation that that isn't the case. And, you know, movie may next 2020 at gmail.com is always give me some reasons here because all I got from that show was it had characters that I liked in a slightly more original thing. But ultimately, I think that we can agree on this. The finale for that show was the exact same thing as every third act of an MCU movie. I mean, these shows continue to fall into that point. But I'm, I'm veering off. I'm veering off course here because people are saying, "Oh, I love all these TV shows. They're doing things differently. Marvel's finally trying out some new stuff. They're just they're going crazy. Marvel. They're just doing all kinds of different stuff. And man, how dangerous it is. I don't really think that's the case. And you know, obviously that was a slightly exaggerated version. But I mean, She-Hulk is a rom com. It's a superhero rom com. I mean, okay, sure. Where is where is my interest going to be in that show? Because all I saw were cliche after cliche from all the other rom-coms that I have seen. And I'm not a huge fan of the genre, but I like it. I, I, I like a good 90-minute rom-com if I'm in the mood for it. Three rom-coms in, and I understood the cliches. And She-Hulk had all the cliches, and that was it. There was no great casting or, you know, twist. Nothing like that. The only twist was, oh, we're in the MCU, and it's superheroes. Okay. I, 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 we're going to move on to a different point here, but I, I want to specify this. I want to make this absolutely clear to everyone who thinks that this show is just getting hate because of the CGI. 
I don't think that's the case. I think this show is getting hate, not only because of the CGI, but it needs to also be understood that this show has really a, a really poor story thus far. From what I've seen, this show does not look enticing to me in the slightest. Now, I, I'm open to the to the discussion that I'm wrong, and we can have that discussion. But for me, coming in, in, in my seat, this show is looks 70% a story problem and 30% a CGI problem. And I'm and I, guys, I'm fully confident that the, by the time this show comes out, it's going to look better. I, I believe that. But I don't believe that this show is going to be well-liked. And I think that it's going to potentially be a, a step too far. I think that it has the danger of losing even some of the most faithful MCU heads. And I'm an MCU fan. But I've become more and more cynical because I have spent hours in 2021 and a few hours in 2020 of spending time watching these shows, talking about them, and yes, that's my choice. But now I'm beginning to see it's the same thing. And listen, I'm done with Disney+. Plus. I doubt there's going to be another MCU show that I watch. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll return. <laughs> maybe I'll make my grand return to Disney+. Plus. I'm not sure. I doubt it, though. And it's certainly, certainly not going to be for She-Hulk. That's not a show I'm going to miss. And listen, I didn't finish Moon Knight. I, I may watch the show, but I don't miss it. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything with Moon Knight. I'm perfectly content with watching all the other great shows out there. I don't feel compelled to stay devoted to this realm of the MCU. I'll continue to go to the movies. I have yet to see Doctor Strange 2, and I apologize because that is a, a, a crime on my record that I have not seen it yet. And honestly, it's been so long since the movie has come out, I'm beginning to wonder if I'll ever see it in the theater. But I thoroughly think that I'm going to spend time with the movies, maybe never again with the TV shows. But we'll see. Only time will tell. Maybe I'll change my mind. We are just going to have to see. Now, let's move on here. And I'm, I'm going to talk about some more superhero stuff here. Let's talk about some casting because that's what I have coming up here on Michael B. Jordan potentially playing Superman. Now, that's not really what I'm here to talk about. I really do want to talk about, you know, the potential of this character, Superman, who I think is arguably the most, in that at least top three, most popular superheroes. I mean, he's one of the OGs for sure. But honestly, I think if we're being honest, he hasn't really gotten a beloved adaptation adaptation since perhaps Christopher Reeves' Superman and that original Superman the movie. Other than that, people uh, – I mean, Man of Steel has its cult following. It's not a beloved film, and Superman is kind of in a rough spot right now where um, you know the, the writers and even the comics are making certain decisions with this character that – uh, have politically have not been well liked 
the casting is up and ended. I highly doubt we'll see Henry Cavill as Superman again. There was a rumor for a little bit that J.J. Abrams was going to be directing a superhero, uh, a Superman film. That has yet to be official, I think, but we're going to have to see as well. I'm left kind of feeling open-ended overall about where exactly the state of this character is. I'm not really sure where we are at with this character, and I'm kind of ready for some news because Michael Jordan, or Michael B. Jordan, you know, it's the same thing, but Michael B. Jordan has been rumored to be playing this character for a while. That is yet to be official, I think. I'm, I just kind of want to take a moment and ask, what exactly is the plan with one of the top three superhero characters of all time? And I'm also in a similar boat with Spider-Man, where Tom Holland has not definitively said that he's coming back, which is weird to me because No Way Home, as, as much as that film was good, it didn't feel like a conclusion. I think we can agree on that. I don't really feel like that movie was a definitive conclusion to this character. It was an evolution, not a conclusion. He has not specifically stated that he is returning as this character. That's two. When you when you come to me talking about the, the most legendary superhero characters, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. Those are the three. And Iron Man is right under there. Right under there. But that's only because of Robert Downey Jr. In the grand, in the grand scheme of things, pop culture-wise, those three have stood the test of comics and movies. Even TV shows, they have stood the test of time. So that's why I put them as the top three. Two of them, I don't really see, have definitive future with their past counterparts in, in terms of Henry Cavill and Tom Holland being a part of this of these characters, have not specifically stated that they are coming back. And that is a little bit weird to me. I specific, Specifically of Tom Holland, I thought that he was going to return. I'm sure he is. It's a little weird to me, though, why it's a little – it's so so up-and-ended. It's, oh, it's a little bit more up-and-ended as to whether or not – he is actually going to be returning as this character. That strikes me as, as quite frankly, a little bit odd. But I don't know. It, let me let me know what you guys think. What exactly is the future for these characters? Because I see, you know, a J.J. Abrams coming in, giving us a, a slightly more hopeful take on the Superman character that that Zack Snyder did not really provide for a lot of the demographic out there. And I understand that. I don't have a big problem with Man of Steel. But I think that the film was good for what it is. It's not really my personal favorite take on Superman. I think that there is still room for that. Even Christopher Reeve is the more definitive version for sure. But to me, I felt like there is room to improve with this character that has yet to be struck yet. Michael Jordan as this character, I'm all on board for. Let's do it. I'm down. I'm 100% for Michael B. Jordan to play Superman. Let's make that happen because I think that's a good idea. He's a good actor. He can pull it off. 100% he can pull it off. There are a lot of other actors I think that could do it as well, but that's a name that I go, okay, let's see a take with that. If he and J.J. Abrams, Abrams are for it, sure, let's do it. But I want J.J. Abrams to not be in such a big studio mindset. 
let's focus a little bit more on not making a sequel trilogy mistake like perhaps he did uh, with Star Wars. But we'll see. Uh, another casting that I was a little bit iffy on is Karen Gillian potentially leaving the MCU. Now, these are rumors. And Dave Bautista as well. He is not going to be joining the MCU anymore. After Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I'm pretty sure he is out the door, which honestly hasn't even fully registered with me. I still find it quite sudden that he has stepped away. Karen Gillian is a, another case where she too could be potentially exiting the role. And honestly, I understand why. I don't really want to see them because leave because they are fun presence. They are fun presences in these movies, but really, they don't get the best character writing. They don't get the most attention. Oftentimes, these characters have been sidelined in play in, in place for the Groot, the Star Lord. Really, they don't get a lot of of you know, proper time. I think Nebula has gotten a uh, better, her better due over Dave Bautista as Drax. Either way though, even though we like these characters, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility for them to feel like they haven't gotten their proper, you know, amount of screen time or, or their character has gotten much attention. And, and Dave Bautista, I think he recently gained a lot of weight for a role. I'm not really sure his career aspirations are at right now. He may be in a completely different stage. And I say go for it because he is not tied forever to Drax. I mean, let us not forget Blade Runner 2049, that opening scene, he does a great job. I think this is a guy who can do dramatic roles better than a lot of the more famous wrestling actors like The Rock and John Cena. I think the guy has done better performances already in his career than those two. So I'm all for him potentially doing something different, a little bit more outside the box. Will I miss him? Yes. But ultimately, I, I'm all for the guy going to pursue his career aspirations because I think he's capable of it. And in the exact same case of Karen Gillian, I mean, Jumanji, what a wonderful performance by her. I thought she easily stood next to The Rock and Kevin Hart, who by many people are considered the most notable of the cast. I thought she went toe-to-toe -to -toe of them very well. And in all the other performances that I've seen her in, she's demonstrated nothing but talent. She, too, is great as Nebula. And, I mean, that's a really great performance that she has given but she is not beholden to this character. And if she wants to step away, I'm going to completely support her in it because I think she's good a good enough actress to... to she, she is not just the MCU. I think a lot of actors who have joined the MCU early on in their career have unfortunately not proven that they could do anything outside of the MCU. And that's an unfortunate thing. Because even these these actors are capable of it, but they haven't proven it. I believe, you know, theoretically that they can do it. But I'm not really sure if they have proven that they can support many future projects with their performances outside the MCU. I mean, this is one of my problems with the Tom Holland love. Is Tom Holland has not proved that he can do a role outside of Spider-Man. I'm not saying the guy is a bad actor. 
But ultimately, I think that the guy needs a success outside of the MCU. And you can make the case Uncharted was that, and I'm willing to have that discussion. But Tom Holland was one of the criticisms from a lot of people in that he was miscast and he didn't play the role the right, the right way. And the chaos walking was an absolute dud, as was Cherry. That's three misses in a row. If, in a row. if we're putting this in MMA turns, that's a three-fight losing streak outside of his MCU efforts, which have been excellent. But I think it's time for some of these actors to prove that they can do more than what than just what the MCU has provided. I think they can do it, but I'm ready to start seeing those results. And when we come back to Karen Gillian and Dave Bautista, I'm fully on board for them stepping outside these roles. I think they're capable of doing it. I think a lot of other MCU actors are capable of doing it. In all honesty, I'm excited to see it, and I hope that we do in the future. Okay, now moving on to a uh, in a very similar vein, but one that is outside of the MCU. Still a franchise, unfortunately, and this is one of my problems with this news, but Margot Robbie. Yeah, we've had a rumor recently that she could be playing as the star in the new Ocean's Eleven film, completely separate from Ocean's Eight, and she'll be the star... And another, it's another reboot. Okay. And now here's another thing. Margot Robbie is for some reason in this stage where she's being rumored to play these roles that are a part of dead franchises like Pirates of the Caribbean and Ocean's Eleven. They haven't happened yet. And I'm completely against the Pirates of the Caribbean idea because that is film idea only exists because Disney wrongfully fired Johnny Depp from Pirates of the Caribbean. So I'm completely against that, and there's no way it could have been going to persuade me that that was a good idea in the first place because it was done for all the wrong reasons. It could be good. I'm not saying that it won't be. I'm, I'm saying that I don't have a lot of interest in that role, in that film, largely because it was made and came up with because Johnny Depp was wrongfully fired from the series by Disney. This is one of my problems, but it's sad to me that Margot Robbie, and this is a rumor, I hope it isn't true. I don't want Margot Robbie to have to do these resurrections for dead franchises. Let Margot Robbie just make her own spy film. And start and own her own successful franchise or one-off, whatever you want to call it. Why does it have to be another redo for women to tackle Ocean's Eleven? An idea that I'm not against, but come on, let's move on. Let's move on. And that's kind of what makes me groan when I hear this news is there are just so many other better ideas out there. Why aren't really trying to discuss them because I think that there are many, many cases for Margot Robbie to come out with a cool, fun, action spy film that we all like. It's a, it's a grand slam. I'm on board for the Margot Robbie spy film. I just simply want to ask the question, why does it have to be 
an Ocean's Eleven reboot again. We've already gotten this, and it was like four years ago. It hasn't even been that long. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think here. When was Ocean's 8? Because, I mean, geez, can we please just move on past this and give, you know, Margot Robbie her own story? Yeah, 2018. 2018, we got this. I think it's high time we move on. Let's give Margot Robbie her own fun spy caper. That I think I'm going to enjoy. It sounds like something up my alley. I'm not against it. Uh, this, is, this is just becoming one of my problems, though, is we're having all these discussions on reboots and sequels. Let's make our own freaking franchise. Come on. Let's just do that. If you want a franchise, let's start one. Let's stop piggybacking off of the success that – you know, Steven Soderbergh and George Clooney made. Let's let Margot Robbie and some cool director make their own really fun film. And let's kind of stay out of that box. That's just a quick really point I wanted to make. Only about four minutes. But, I mean, let's do that. Let, let, let's, let's do that instead of having to do another reboot and sequel, which we're getting all the time. All the time, we're getting reboots and sequels, and I know that's a, that's something that that has been preached by many other more educated film critics than I. But I don't think that people in the higher ups of Hollywood to listen that sometimes original stories are great, and I'm not saying that a sequel and reboot doesn't ever work. One of my favorite films. Batman Begins, the Batman that came out this year is my favorite film of 2022 and has become one of my favorite films. I'm not against reboots, but come on. I When we get to the Ocean series, there's that is not a series that needs any more reboots, sequels, or spinoffs. It just doesn't. We're done. We're done. Okay, we're done with the franchise. Let's move on. Okay, let's move on and think of a more original idea for Mangarabi, who's a great actress and deserves a completely separate and original spy caper. Or not spy, heist, heist caper, whatever you want to call it. Let's do that. And I don't think that we need this spinoff. So I, I want to dispel that. Let's not do that because, I mean, we've been getting that all the freaking time now. Now, you know, a lot of that has kind of been negative. Let's get to some good news. Quinn Tarantino, who, if you haven't listened to this to this episode already, I did my 100th episode on my top 10 directors. Quinn Tarantino made that list with flying colors. One of my head filmmakers is making a book this year called Cinema Speculation, a possible film essay book by one of the great film directors, and I think that he's one of the best people to speak on film, Quentin Tarantino. Heck yeah, I'm on board for that. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the novelization was one of my favorite books last year. Heck yeah, let's do it. I think Tarantino has a place right there to become an author. I mean, the guy is a genius scriptwriter. I think he can make that trans transition effortlessly. And this is going to be his second book. 
That's going to come out October 25th. Heck yeah. Let's do this. I'm on board. Give it to me now. I can not wait. I think that that is going to be a really fun book, particularly if you're a film enthusiast such as I. I'm fully on board for that. And Tarantino really is capable of being a great author. And he's only got one more film left. He's talked about doing some stage stuff. I think that he can really do good work as an author. And I'm fully on board for him making that transition. That's something that I'm going to be very excited for this year because I loved the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood novelization. Let's get that done because I am on board for that book. Uh Please, please, please give me that because I love the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood novelization so much. I really am on board for another Tarantino book. Now, here's something interesting here. I, I gave my review for The Northman by Robert Eggers. I really liked it, and I, I gave it a lot of praise, gave it a lot of love. Now, it, one of the unfortunate things is that film did not do well at the box office. It's already on VOD. It didn't make a lot of money. I want to look at the box office real quick here. How much? How much did the Northmen make? Okay, so still, it only made twenty four point nine million globally. Off of a 90 million budget. Okay, so that's a flop. That's a flop. Okay, that's not what you want, especially if it's the biggest budget you've been given in your career. Now, that being said, it was a really good movie. It's unfortunate for me to see that Robert Eggers says that he needs to re strategize after The Northman. I. I understand where he's coming from because as a director, even if it's your job to make a really good film, it's you kind of have to look at yourself and ask yourself whether or not you made a mistake and that's what caused your movie to flop in such a spectacular fashion because, man, I mean, it didn't even make half its – it barely made half its budget back. Now, that is an unfortunate thing for me to hear, only because I've loved all of his films so far. I don't want him to take this flop too much to heart because he. I don't want it to hinder him as a filmmaker, and I don't think it will. But that seed of doubt could be there where he's thinking, maybe I'm not the director I thought I was. Is you know I, I'm hoping that this restrategization is able to help him come up with an idea to make a really good film that makes a lot of money. I don't want him to not make the any more of the great films that he has made so far because he's on track to be one of the one of his generation's best filmmakers. He's really on track to do that. I'm hoping that he keeps up the good work and doesn't let this loss hinder him too much. I mean, I want to look at his, I mean, the lighthouse. How much did it make? The lighthouse cost 11 million. And... 
not the best typer. Typer. How much did the lighthouse? Okay, so that made eighteen point three million. So it it made a solid seven million dollars more. Let's look at the witch. The witch made twenty five million domestically. Worldwide, it made forty. 40 million overall, and then how much did it cost? Four million. So it is Edgar's first flop. That is unfortunate. I don't want him to take that to heart too much, though, because all of his films have been gangbusters great. I mean, just great. I'm hoping that this loss doesn't hinder him. I don't want it to hinder the mind of who can potentially be one of the all-time great filmmakers. And I truly do believe that. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that this doesn't hinder Eggers too much. I want him to continue to make the great films that he's made so far. And I also wish, wish him the best of success because, I mean, it, it really does stink if nobody shows up to see your film. My dad and I did. But not a lot of other people did. I'm hoping that this doesn't hinder him too much and he's able to regroup, come up with something that maybe he, that really all types of people want to see. And whatever their interests are, they're able to have an interest in this movie and go watch it and it makes a lot of money. And he continues that track to becoming one of the best directors of his generation. So best of luck to Eggers. I'm hoping that this works out for him. I loved The Northman. I loved The Lighthouse. And I loved The Witch. So this guy is 3-0 and o for me. I mean, I don't think he's made a bad film. I hope that this re-strategic re move that he's making, I'm hoping that it doesn't hinder the quality of his films to come. I'm hoping that he's going to be able to find that balance. But anyway, moving on, my last topic, and then I'm going to let you guys go. Ellen. <laughs> Ellen. Um, <laughs> Ellen wrapped up her show. She's retiring her show. <laughs> okay, Ellen's retiring her show. And when I saw this news... I thought she had already ended her show in 2020 because we all not found out because I think we all kind of knew, but it was finally revealed to us that Ellen is not a nice person. We're past this point. And now she's retiring her show. It's over. The phenomenon is over. And Here's what's interesting to me. Here, when I saw this news, I just burst out laughing. I mean, I thought it was funny because I've just never had an interest in Ellen. Never have. And maybe she's not a horrible person and maybe she's just a great human being. I don't really believe that, but sure, maybe she is. I, I've just never found a lot of interest in her show. I mean, there's not one thing about Ellen's show that I have really liked. 
I mean, that's not a discredit to the people who've come on it. It's just not for me. But that's not why I'm coming on here to talk about it. I'm coming on here to talk about it because Ellen's show and I think Oprah's show as well, it's they're one of the key components to what I consider to be the the great the greater rise of celebrity where in the 20th century celebrities were somewhat a figure of mystique you didn't know a lot about it we didn't know a lot about Steve McQueen or Charles Bronson we really only found out about them when their biography came out and then you realized what horrible people they are now that is beginning to change and we're and we're beginning to see it take a change for the worse for the celebrity where now we're realizing celebrities they don't have it together and oh boy yeah they just do not have it together and you're not supposed to put all your stock and interest in these people because they don't have it together they don't have it together I mean, this is what the Will Smith thing has demonstrated, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial has demonstrated. And hopefully, hopefully, these past couple events and what I think are going to be many more to come, hopefully, they're going to begin to show celebrities are not as great and beautiful as we have built them up to be in our minds. And listen... I was at a stage in my life where I thought that was the case. I thought they were swell people. Just, I mean, I thought if you made it on the big screen, you're a great person. That's not the case. A lot of these people have spent their whole life conforming themselves to the world of Hollywood in order to get parts, in order to get famous, in order to be successful. They, they've conformed themselves and that's, that's a horrible thing. They, they, it, that is something that causes, I mean, I think inherent damage in a person and makes them less experienced and, and takes a lot of out of somebody. And I think, I think we saw it with Will Smith. I mean, that was a look of, that was a defeated man. Uh, just a man who had been stripped of any manliness. I mean, that is not, uh, not, not somebody that I would want to look up to, but what, Ellen's show did, and what I think Oprah's show did, and maybe I'm completely wrong on this. Maybe my theory is totally awful, and it's wrong. But those shows were part of the relatability of celebrities. Oh, we're just like you. We're just like you. And, you know, I have problems, too. Sometimes I get ketchup, I get ketchup on my dress, and what do I do? And, oh... You know, it, it, I mean, it's not just, you know, actresses. It's also actors. I mean, I think that those shows were a part of the shift that celebrity began began to take where it, they, it, we, we thought that they were relatable. And they are because they are human as well. But I think that what Oprah and Ellen did is they... And many people may have seen them as relatable. I don't even know if it's relatability. I think that's a wrong word. Scratch that. It's not relatability. Because what I think people see with those shows is now 
oh, I'm becoming closer to this person. And maybe it's a it's a it's an idea, a concept of relatability, but it's not its actual true meaning. It's it's a variant of relatability where you think that you have this trust or or this relationship with this person and this person is your hero, this person is your idol, but what and they're oh they're so perfect and they've got it together and and then you know it, it spirals into this this dive of you know uh, of of an issue of a mental problem where you think that oh this person's going to get you out of the gutter and they're going to save you and they're going to get you out of whatever rut you're in in life because oh you've seen Ellen give somebody a car or Oprah's given somebody you know, a car, you, you, you see them, them with the hang on that. Those are nice acts, but they create these unrealistic expectations that, that, that the day-to-day people, they, they, they begin to uh, conflate the idea. And it's because, you know, they've been watching Ellen, they've been watching Oprah and these shows, you know, kind of give them that weird relatability with, with this, with these celebrities, right? And I'm not blaming Ellen, and I'm not blaming Oprah. I want to make that clear. But whether they like it or not, their shows aided in that twisted relatability that that, that people who aren't famous felt that they had with celebrities, right? Which which isn't true. I mean, they because of those shows' existence, they began to create this conflated idea of what a celebrity was and oh they they have it so together and and then that spirals into celebrities coming up on the stand and winning an oscar but then lecturing you about how horrible you are and how how right they are how righteous and noble they are for their, you know, for their accomplishments and all they've done in life, they're so perfect, and and you are so not, and it's it's all kind of one big rubber band ball mess. I think that they all come together in some weird way, and Ellen's show and Oprah's show as well was a part of that, uh, more so with Ellen because Ellen was far more focused on interviewing celebrities, I think, than Oprah was. So Ellen specifically would sit down and oh. You know, oh, you had this problem, you had, you know, and all that, and oh, you know, you're, and, and they just begin to conflate. I think the the expectations that people have it go, and then that begins all the praise. You know that ultimately those shows spiraled into what has now become the grand idea of celebrity because celebrity now is not what it was back then, and it's become a it's become something a lot different, and. I think I, I'm wondering if Ellen's show, you know, canceling, being ended, whatever you want to call it, her retiring, sure, but we'll just put it nicely. Her retiring, maybe that is a, the beginning of a change for per, perhaps the way that we look at celebrity. Because I think that this massive conflation that we've had with celebrity over this these past 20 years is 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 beginning to show just how unhealthy it is it's begun a massive you know like too much paparazzi it puts stress on celebrities it puts stress on people i don't think it's good for anybody i don't so i i think that the ellen show is a possible sign that we may be moving on past this point and maybe i'm wrong maybe that isn't the case 
But when I saw this news, it it gave me that, that idea. It gave me that theory. It's a possibility that that's where we're heading to. But you guys let me know whether I'm right, whether I'm wrong. I know I've spotted a lot of theories here, and I know that that uh, and a lot of them maybe when I look back and reflect on some of these ideas, I may be wrong. I'm just trying to to figure this out because ultimately a lot of this is connected with the way movies are made. That's really why I spent the time to talk about these different you know issues that I see in the realm of where movies are made. But there you go. There's some takes. There's some movie news. Tomorrow I'll be giving you guys my Ozark episode, which I'm very excited for. That is going to be an absolute blast. I'm going to have a really fun time talking about it. It's going to be a great conversation. Hopefully you guys will be able to tune in for that. I hope that you enjoyed some of the ideas that I brought to the table here. I know that you won't agree with all of them. That's okay. We can agree to disagree and we can have that uh, We can have that conversation. And if you want to give me any new ideas or theories, maybe say that I was wrong on something, you can do that through moviemaniacs2020 at gmail.com. I'm happy to change my mind. So you can let me know through there. Feedback is always appreciated over at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars and a review helps the algorithm. It helps it a lot. So if you could do that, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I'll come back with a review for the Ozark Season 4 finale. And I will see you guys on the flip of the flop.